Hey everyone, welcome to the Pot Awareness Podcast and thanks for joining me. This podcast is specifically for about educating and raising awareness for animals and rescues and organizations across the United States and world. It really goes a long way towards this mission when our listeners rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and all of our other podcast platforms. Also, be sure to check us out on our official website at pawawareness.org and on social media at TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at pawawareness underscore podcast. You can check us out for all of our latest bits and clips of our podcast, as well as pet of the week and pet of the month. If you're listening and involved with an animal rescue organization or have a story of your own that you want to share, reach out to us at info at pawawareness.org and we can get you on the podcast. Thanks for watching and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Paw Awareness Podcast. Today I'm excited to get to sit down and talk with Krista Omphis, the Executive Director of Badass Animal Rescue. And I want to thank you so much for coming on um, and I'm just excited to sit down and talk with you. Go ahead, just going to pass it over, introduce yourself and more about the organization. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks for having me and Badass. Uh, we're excited to be here today. Um, so I'm Krista. I'm the executive director of Badass Animal Rescue. Uh, we are based out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we were founded in 2011 uh, by Sarah Cross and Eva Armstrong, uh, who both had a, a passion for dogs and uh, you know wanted to do, do a little bit more than just donate and spend some time helping dogs here in New York. So they created Badass. Um, and in the last 11 years, we have rescued about 3,400 dogs. Um, we are an all breed uh, rescue. We uh, save dogs from high kill shelters in the rural South. That's our primary focus. So we go where the need is greatest and we save the dogs in greatest need. So that means, you know, all breeds, all sizes, all ages and all medical conditions. Uh, so our, our main focus is on dogs that are people and human or human and dog friendly. Um, but we take on all the medical cases. So uh, that means, you know, the uh, seniors with uh, dangly legs, dogs that have been shot, uh, hairless dogs because of mange, all of those things uh, that may leave them overlooked by uh, adopters in their local areas we take on. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of who we are. Yeah. And that's I'm, I'm curious, too. How long has the organization been around and did it always focus on taking the dogs in those areas or did that kind of evolve over time? Yeah, good question. So uh, we've been around for 11 years. Um, so we just celebrated our 11th anniversary in March. Um, and, you know, we started, it's always been from the South. So we started in the Carolinas and we've kind of done a slew of states um, you know, Florida, Tennessee, uh, our main focus now is Georgia, Alabama, Texas. And then recently we started pulling dogs from the U.S. Virgin Islands, not technically the southern states, uh, but definitely south from us. Um, and they really meet our criteria of being overcrowded, um, a lot of heartworm positive dogs and dogs in need. Um, so we're working with them now, too. Yeah. And I think that's I love talking with organizations that are maybe situated not in one of those areas, but then you're importing the dogs. I think it's awesome. And, and I know you're, you're located in New York, but, and feel free to, I, I want to know, like, what do you know about what's going on down there? Like what is causing this massive influx of dogs? Is it 
I just talked with an organization in Texas and how there's like some coming up from Mexico. Like I know that maybe that's an issue, but like, what are you seeing? Yeah, you know, it is, uh, there's differences in different areas that we pull from, but by and large, I think that um, one of the differences that you see in the Southern states versus New York City, for example, is the kind of idea of what a dog is in your life, right? Here in New York, dogs are given better lives than some people <laughs> in other areas, right? Like, yeah. really. Um, and they're really treated like family and as a part of that. Um, and, you know, I know many dog owners in the South that are the same way. But by and large, you have communities where dogs have been used uh, for work, right? So hound dogs are used for hunting. Uh, cattle dogs are used for herding. You have dogs that have a more traditional idea of these are working dogs or dogs stay outside. They don't live in the home with you. Um, so you have a different attitude and approach towards dog ownership. And then I think another main factor, especially, you know, we pull from Dallas, which is a little bit different. Um, it's a larger municipal shelter, but still a huge stray dog problem. Um, uh, and then you go to our wool areas uh, in Vidalia, Georgia and Selma, Alabama. And a lot of the shelters are next to the water treatment facility or the dump. They're animal um, holding facilities. They're not shelters. Like you think about when you walk into like an ASPCA or best friends shelter, right? Those are, you know, air conditioned and, and, and cleaned and all of those sort of things. These really are animal control facilities where dogs are picked up. They're put there. They have a certain amount of days to survive. Um, and, you know, so it's a different mentality, how the government looks at, at animal ownership and animal welfare and strays. And then you have also mentality, you see a lot of dogs just being dumped on the street at the end of hunting season. Uh, hound dogs get dropped off in the woods. So you have a lot of uh, dog, you know, hound dogs running around, uh, starving, getting into trouble. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stray dogs. There's a lot of, it's okay um, to leave them there. It's okay to dump them at the shelter. Um, different kind of mentality. Whereas here in New York, if you see a stray dog running around Brooklyn, there's 50 people running after it. Like that dog must be owned. Uh, stray dogs are pretty, pretty rare here. And can you comment on the, the process, like that whole process from getting the dog from Texas or whatever to you guys? I mean, that's sounds pretty obvious. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we're very like on the ground rescue. So we go to each of our partner locations every year and visit all of the shelters and uh, rescue dogs. Um, when we do that, we go down, we meet them, we spend time with them. Sometimes we'll spend multiple days with one dog, um, because they need that. Um, but we spend time with all the dogs, getting to know them, introducing them to other dogs. Um, uh, we're all trained. <laughs> uh, we, everybody goes through some, some, some training before they're allowed to do that. Um, and then once we agree to take a dog, um, which is usually all of the dogs we meet, um, then they go through a quarantine period. So they have to be quarantined out of the shelter for two weeks uh, to ensure they don't have break with parvo or distemper. Um, and then they're vetted. So they get their initial round of vaccines, they're spayed and neutered, they're heartworm tested, they're started on preventatives. They have things going on like an ear infection or they need a, a dental because they have a, you know, an abscess growing. Um, any sort of kind of known medical condition is that treatment is started there in the South just to alleviate any pain or, or anything that's going on. Um, and then they're in foster homes 
in the South for two weeks or sometimes longer. And then there are professional transport companies um, that we use that uh, will transport the dogs directly here to New York. Um, and occasionally we drive our van down and fill that with 30 dogs and drive it up ourselves. Whoa, okay. Um, and I'm curious too, like you say that you're running on donations. What do you, what do you think, or, or what do you know, what do you know of is the average cost that you guys have to take from getting that dog all the way from wherever in the South to by the time it goes out your door, do you know that number? Oh yeah. Yep. What, yeah. What is that? I'm curious. Yeah. So our, our average cost for 2021 was $750 like per dog. Per, oh per dog. my God. So that, that's just like, that's just like transport, basic vetting, spay and neuter, um, supplies that we have to do. And then kind of a second round of vetting, um, and that's going to go up this year because everything is going up. Gas prices are creating a transport, you know, hike in, in costs there. Um, and it yep. does kind of slowly crawl up every year. <laughs> wow. That is, I, I would, if I had to guess, I, I knew it was higher, but I didn't. Um, and, and the person, and the person getting the dogs from you guys, I mean, what's that look like for them? I mean, they're they're not paying seven hundred and fifty dollars, right? Like, no. So our adoption fee is five fifty. Okay. Nice. Um. So so it covers part of it. You know, and I will say, you know, we treat at least seventy five dogs for heartworm every year. That costs anywhere between one to two thousand um, wow. dollars. So we really focus on on medical needs and go above and beyond. Last year we provided thirty five surgeries or special care cases. So that's. Um, a variety of, you know, emergency surgeries that were needed or kind of other ongoing medical care, um, you know, cancer removal, um, all of those sort of things. We've provided 35 of those cases and those cost anywhere between two to, I would say average two to 10,000, but some of them cost even more. So, so what you're getting when you adopt a dog from us isn't just general basic vetting. We've done whatever it is that that dog needs to get them ready for adoption. We've taken care of. And I think it's probably, that is probably a partial vetting process too. Like you guys probably, I, and I don't, I'm assuming here, but probably have pretty low like return rates where it's like, Hey, this dog isn't for me or whatever. I mean, that's paying, you know, 550. It's like, let me think about this. It makes the person before adopting like, Hey, actually, like, let me actually sit down and think about this, which I think is a great thing. So I think that's awesome that you guys, that you guys are doing that. Yeah. 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 You know, it's an upfront investment. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to adopt dogs and I, we of course believe in all of them and walking into your shelter and, uh, they have, you know, adoption fee wave days and, you know, discount. I think it's important to think about and for people to realize, um, of course, like if that is how you want to get your, your next dog or cat, we hundred percent support that. Um, but just be prepared that there are additional costs that come with that. Um, you know, all of the, those sort of vetting needs. So um, just take that into consideration as well, no matter where you're adopting from. Yeah, that's great advice. And do you, are there any programs uh, that you, that your organization's working on or um, like, what's that like, whether it's with the end user or in the community, like, how does that look for you guys? Yeah. So when we talk about programs, we talk about the care that we provide to dogs. So our heartworm program, our major medical program, our senior dog program, um, our hospice program, and then also 
um, we have a training program. So we provide a lot of, you know, board and train and, and in foster home one-on-one -on -one training as well for the dogs to get them ready. Um, Post-adoption, we have, I like to say, you know, there are two really important things to our founders. One, um, the mission-driven rescue where we're saving the dogs in greatest need. Um, and the other aspect that was super important then that is today is the community that we've built. So to us, um, we have a, it's super important to have a strong community for fosters, volunteers, as well as adopters. Um, so it has been a cornerstone of what makes Badass so badass is that we have a super supportive community of, of um, adopters and our outreach program. So once you adopt from us, you never have to be alone in caring for your dog. Uh, we have a super supportive team that can help provide recommendations, advice. Um, we work with a number of trainers here in New York City that are excellent, that really understand rescue dogs and work with a lot of our dogs uh, that a lot of our adopters use. Um, so we provide uh, post-adoption um, all of those resources and support to our community. And it's very supportive. We've had adopters whose, you know, their dog is going through something medically with a high price tag and they will post that in our private group and people are very generous and giving, um, to support each other there as well. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, um, that's awesome that you guys have that, like a group too. That's, that's really cool. I think more rescues should do that. And, um, what would you say is, uh, like, I wanted to ask too, you mentioned how you have some like dog programs, like senior dogs, hospice, you mentioned a couple of other ones. What, um, what does that entail? Like, like, what does that mean? I guess. Yeah. So that means, so those are the, the areas of rescue or programs that we focus on. So we, uh, take a lot of heartworm positive dogs and treat those dogs. We take on the major medical cases or senior dogs. You know, last year we saved 23 senior dogs out of the 276, 23 of them were seniors. Um, and that means that we're providing the extra care that those dogs need. It's a, it's a, um, you know, dentals, uh, just extra, the seniors always need more medical care um, and attention. And so, you know, we have fosters, you know, that, that specialize in taking care of either medical dogs, behavior dogs, or senior dogs. And so for those fosters that focus on behavior dogs, we provide additional training. So they get to go to group training classes, or we have different opportunities where they work directly with trainers to learn um, about dog behavior and uh, expand their skill set. So that's part of our training program. And then, you know, for our volunteers as well, we provide um, a lot of different uh, training opportunities as well. And, you know, information sessions with different vets on different, you know, common medical things that we treat. What do you think makes uh, Badass Rescue able to take on these cases? Like, what are some things, I guess, that you guys are doing well or things that you have in place that make that possible? Yeah. I mean, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of a bigger question. It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd say, you know, I think our foundation is really strong. Uh, we are so fortunate to have a foundation of really amazing volunteers and fosters who really believe in our mission. I think being mission driven is makes a big difference because we're always putting our mission and those programs and the things we believe in first, uh, which means putting the dogs you know, uh, before um, anything else, our most important thing is is the dogs and making sure that, uh, you know, they're matched with the right people, be that fosters or adopters. We focus really on those relationships um, and prioritizing those. Um, 
And I think just, you know, we've been fortunate to build a community of people that believe in that mission and are supportive of us um, and to and donate to us <laughs> to allow us to do that. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And, um, you know, having been around 11 years, what are some things that you guys maybe have in the pipeline or, you know, in the future, some things you're excited about? What's that like for, for you guys? Yeah, you know, I mean, continuing with our mission, I, we spent all of last year celebrating our 10th anniversary. And part of that was bringing on a new uh, rescue partner, uh, which has been very exciting to work with them. Um, and, you know, looking to the future, some things that we'd like to do is expand our programs, continue to save more dogs. But also, you know, something that we've been kind of uh, ruminating on is putting a program together to expand our community reach to uh, senior citizens that have pets and providing um, food assistance for them, for their pets. So partnering with uh, human food assistant programs uh, to also provide meals uh, for their pets on a, on a weekly basis. So yeah, continuing that's, that community. That's cool. Yeah. Like, like you're kind of branching out or like targeting a particular niche. Um, that's interesting. And uh, well, you know, it's all about keeping dogs in their homes with those that love them. And unfortunately, yeah. sometimes senior citizens don't have uh, the resources uh, to provide the food for them. Um, and so if we can help keep dogs in the homes with those that love them and that's an area that has that need, I think I think it's worth it. Yeah, that's, that's great. I don't think I've talked to a rescue that's specifically, I think this is the first one I've talked to you guys where that's something that you're trying to do. And, and that's awesome. Um, and I'm curious too, like, I guess if you, this is a big question, but from what you've seen, if you could, I guess, have one thing, like, you know, let's say unlimited money, uh, like unlimited resources, what do you think would be, what do you think could fix uh, this crisis that's happening down in the South? Like, what do you, what do you, what are you seeing? <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, that, that is a big question. It's something that we talk about when I say we, I mean, me and the whole rescue community <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> all the exactly. time. Um, you know, what can we do to fix this? What can we do? And we're, we're making inroads in certain ways. I think a big part of it is education. I think a big part of it is reaching the community and letting them know that like spay and neuter is okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, fine, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there is, you see a lot of resistance to that. Um, and then just, I think starting putting an education program in place, starting uh, with the younger generations, I think will pay off. It's a long, long game investment. Right. But I think educating them about animal ownership, about having pets, about the different aspects of rescue and responsible ownership uh, would pay off. And then educating generally about spay and neuter, vaccinations, things like that. And then really, if you really want to accomplish all of that, you have to put programs in place to provide people with the resources, such as free vaccination clinics, um, uh, free spay and neuter, put those programs in place so that people, no matter what their means are, they can keep their animals in their home with them. I think that's, that's great advice. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, like you said, it's, we talk about it and we have these conversations. How much do you think has to do with politics and the government? Do you think that they can help us out? Do you think like trying to go that route is, is not the right way? Or do you think it is the way? What do you think about that? You know, it's really complicated <laughs> for each area. You know, we we rescue in the rural south and everything there is 
you know, political and the mayor and the sheriff and who knows who, and will we be allowed in the shelter this time because someone pissed someone off. Right. So there's very local politics that play into it. And then you have larger scale politics, right? So you have state level politics where uh, the state overall is, is making a push and you hear from, from the governor and, and the leaders there that yes, animal welfare is important and like spay and neuter is important. And they put a program in place, I think would actually have a huge impact and I think there would be a ripple down effect to the smaller, more local communities. Um, but, you know, it's it's a it's a challenge. It is definitely a challenge because people aren't always aligned in what that means. Yeah, I like to ask that question. And it's like, you know, because I mean, it's going to take it's good to just have that combo because to actually yeah. do like to climb up the political ladder is going to take time and energy. So it's just trying good to see if it's going to even make a dent when you if you get yeah. up that high. So yeah. Um, and do, do local, you know, that's the education, right? Educate your local community. So if you can get something on the ballot that makes, you know, not chaining dogs outside illegal, you know, they, you can vote, the community can vote on that and, and enact that. So, so there, you know, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, where can, where can people find you guys at? Where, where, where are you guys at online? Yeah, yeah. So we have a website, badassanimalrescue.com. We're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. Uh, so badass animal rescue across the board. <laughs> awesome. And that'll be in the link in the description below. Awesome. Um, check it out. Everybody check it out. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on, Krista. Um, it was great talking with you and I love what you guys are doing. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having us.